Hi, this is Kathy Lavin, and you're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Quick Impressions is a full-service commercial printer with pricing that competes with online wholesalers. The difference is their customer service. From business cards, envelopes, brochures, to mailers, presentation folders, DVD and CD packaging, carton signs to calendars, and I've used them for just about all of those things myself, including the galleys and bookmarks and signature plates for my own book, and custom-designed tissue boxes and notepads and labels for women who write. They've done it all. Um, and I ain't easy to please, as you well know, DJ. And they always blow me away. The quality of their work is stellar, and they're the nicest people ever. That's Quick Impressions. Hold the C. Quick. Q-U-I-K. Ask for Rick, but that does have a C. And then tell them that Vicky sent you, which also has a C. And they will love you up. You can find them at quickimpressions.com for all your printing needs. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, Wheezy Lindsay, how are you guys? Doing good. Doing well. How are you, Vicki? You know, thank you for asking, sure. Louise. So, I um, have had... Um, a procedure in the last week. Yeah. Um, and the only reason why I'm actually talking like this and I don't sound like this is because I went for my post-op checkup today. I had septum surgery mm-hmm. because my nose was broken in the car accident last July 4th. And um, I did not want, as we discussed before, I didn't want my hump or my bump touched. I just wanted to be able to breathe. So they do this septum surgery. And so he told me today that it turns out my septum was really badly broken. And so they had to really completely realign the inside of my nose. But what it did was I have been, it's not what I would call pain, but it's it was like extraordinary discomfort. Like I really wanted to rip the hair out of my, cause I, I couldn't breathe at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm breathing today because he yanked shit out of there today. And he, I am breathing for the first time in a week, but this isn't going to last. It's going to recongest um, in the next few hours. So right uh. now I got to ride this way right. while I got it. Let's do some breathing. Um, but I mean, how fortunate that he's that it's while I'm talking on the air because I really yeah. sounded not like, I more sounded more like this, but anyway, but also, I have had a pig nose. I have had a frightening pig nose. And these guys are being really nice and saying that I don't look different. But yes, I do. I'm not being nice. But I do have makeup on. What? I, I, 
literally don't see a difference. Well, we don't see I'm anything. sorry. Well, like, I, I mean, I know you want there maybe no. to be a difference. No, no, no. Yeah, no. no. We did no, hear you, okay, well, you cough through for, your mouth. For and those that's that weird. know me, even yeah. my landlord was kind of looking at me a little weird yesterday. It is much better day by day. But the first day, I mean, I, I literally had like the, the pig nose that you see in pictures. And um, coupled with not being able to breathe, kind of miserable. But the upside of what I wanted to talk about tonight is, you know, how what self-care is for you guys. And I know for me, I was craving everything bad. I wanted, but you can't taste food when your nose can't is, taste. But still, so what are you couldn't doing? Couldn't taste a thing. But it's all textures, and it's all in the mind. So in the mind, I just wanted white. I wanted bad white. I wanted white flour. I wanted white sugar. I wanted like a grilled cheese. Couldn't taste a goddamn thing. In fact, the first two days, I had to eat bites. I couldn't breathe at all. So if I was chewing, I was gonna die from from. What is suffocation? Right. So I had to take tiny little. That didn't stop me from eating. Bite, bite, breathe. Bite, bite, breathe. Yeah, sort of like it was the like, crawl stroke. It wasn't pleasant at all, but I continued to do it nonetheless. But eating like just crazy things. But what I mostly did have done in the last week is I have binged Netflix. Is what I have done. So same. Okay. okay all right. So okay. So this is what I want to talk about because I think this is a public service now. Okay. Because I went on Facebook and yeah, I said, okay, did. I've watched. All the the shows I watched: The Killing, The Fall, The Affair, um, all the shows that begin with the. I mm-hmm. think I've seen, and I loved those shows. And I asked people to please recommend shows. Well, three hundred and thirty-six comments there were on Whoa. that thread. Wow. Okay, so what I what I discovered, and I'm, I'm going to ask you guys what you love. But what I discovered, um, the first thing I watched was um, Luther. Which the Luther? <laughs> yeah, not the. It's not a the show. That's oh. why it took me so long. Okay. Um, wonderful show, BBC. Idris Alba. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. I don't know. Not an expert. Okay. He he's extraordinary. Very dark. It was so dark that when I got to season two, the second episode, I had to stop for a minute. I had to go watch like some HBO silly show. I had to go, oh, I watched all the, Fran- oh, I started with Grace and Frankie, binging the whole Grace and Frankie season, which mm-hmm. took me like a day. That, that was lovely. That was light and nice and lovely. Yep. Then I moved into the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one show that kept coming up, a, a number of shows came up a, a number of times, but this Happy Valley, um, Donald uh, Logue, do you know who he is? Don't. Okay, he's an actor that you would know in a second, but he starred in this movie, The Tao of Steve, years ago that I loved. Did you see Runaway Bride? The Gary Marshall movie? Yeah. Of course. Okay, so he's one, He, I, I think he's the priest in that. He's one of the, the guys that she leaves at the altar. I believe he's the priest. Okay. He's been in everything, but meanwhile, he's been the star of this show, Gotham, which I haven't seen. It's a Batman show, a pre-Batman show or something, but it's been on network television on Fox for the last four years, and he's a star of it, and he's starred in the Viking, all kinds of, sh- I mean, his IMDb is like, wow. He's been my Facebook friend for a really long time, and he's never commented on anything. And he just wrote, Happy Valley. That's it. And I thought, well, if Donnell Long is... And that's his show? Don't, I just called or him by his just, wrong name. I said... What's his I'm name? I'm trying to pronounce his name correctly. It's D-O-N-A-L, Donnell, Donnell, 
Yes. Donal. I believe it's Donal. Uh-huh. Logue. L-O-G-U-E. And did he write it the name of his It is not his show. Oh, he, is, he just... He was... It's just one he obviously suggested. liked. Wow. So now I think... Now, a bunch of people have suggested that to me, but I've literally gotten, I made a list of all the suggestions I got, and I, I wrote it, them all down. And then I thought, you know what? Go to Rotten Tomatoes and see how they rate the show. So I looked at how they rated wow, the ones that I've loved. you are very specific about I was this. really doing my homework. So I looked at the ones that I've already watched and loved, and they'd gotten high 80s, a couple 90s. I thought, okay, they're being pretty fair. Well, this Happy Valley got like 100, 99 or 100%. I'm like, Okay, I'm in. We're doing it. Well, I watched the entire first season yesterday. How it's happy only is six this valley? episodes. I got to tell you, not happy. Maybe the best show I've watched on Netflix. Maybe well, the best. What show. happens in this valley? It, it's it's a crime. It's a crime drama. Okay. Um, right up there with the fall and the killing and that. But the 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 prota- the, the hero is a woman, middle aged, mm-hmm. flawed. Mm-hmm. Not perfect body, that little extra happen. body sure. weight. It's a thing that could be, sure. Uh, she is a real, live human being who is flawed, and she is phenomenal. But she and solves crimes. She solves crimes, and she's just extraordinary and exceptional, and the crime is fantastic. I mean, it's it's so, so well written, so well acted. Cannot recommend it highly enough. So I have season two still ahead. I'm so excited. I have Donald to thank for this. Cause thank I, you, Donald. So, so now what I wanted to ask you guys, so what I'm going to say to our, our listeners out there, if you have not seen the The Shows, I cannot recommend highly enough The Fall, The Killing, the affair. What have you guys like loved that you've binged, well, Lindsay? I, Lindsay, well, you go first. Yeah, young young voice. What have you? I'm in the process of binge watching Thirteen Reasons Why, and I'm in love with it. <laughs> okay, now I'm wondering. I'm what you are. Okay, I wanted to yes, know. Is that for the, our our age too? Yes, it's about everybody and everything. And oh. you've raised children, so really, it's it's about the parents as much as it's really about the kids and this disconnection. So good. I see. I know nothing about it, but a few people got on the thread and recommended it. Yes, it, it's based on a book that i've read and, and what's just, the genre it's te- it's teen but it's it's so should i tell her the premise so do basically it, it, this girl commits suicide which you find out frame one yeah and she leaves behind these 13 cassette tapes that are designed to be listened to by the 13 people that she holds responsible for ah, her taking her own life I, I love this i see crime and all of this this is right up my alley i love this it's so good the performances oh. are really wonderful excellent so then there's another show that you should look out for also got like a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes also highly recommended and somebody said this is right up my alley it's called the missing do you know about the missing I don't. Okay, also a Netflix show. Also, I believe a BBC show. Okay. Um, got really high, highly recommended. Um, got the best Rotten Tomatoes. And um, what I have found, another little trick of the trade for you listeners out there and for Wheezy and Lindsay, is when I watch these British shows... I put the subtitles on because, yes, they are speaking English, but it's That's a very, so cute. I am telling you, it is a different English. <laughs> I just picture you pausing it and going, hold on. <laughs> well, one second. What, what did he Harry, say? <laughs> Harry and I, when we were watching, I can't remember what show it was, if it was The Killing, whatever show it was, we were watching a BBC show and we kept going, what? What? And we I, we kept stopping it and going back and stopping it and going back. And um, John Bowden, a good friend of mine, suggested that he watches, I think I was watching Broadchurch, which is like a, 
uh, a Scottish one and where the, the accents are really kind of out there. And he suggested doing it with the subtitles. So now whenever I watch a BBC show, subtitles, may, I cannot tell you how that has changed my enjoyment of these I think these it shows. would help with The Wire. Now, okay, now... I have to watch The Wire because Don, a good friend of mine, is on The Wire. I I, I watched the first episode four times. I and can't I kept, understand what they're saying. I kept getting confused. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I might do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Eng- American English. doesn't matter because sometimes... It's just so slang that I don't know what they're talking about. That's so then it's a really good idea. It might be a good thing. Have you watched HBO's uh, Big, Big Little Lies? Okay. I, one, that was one of the things that I watched when I stopped the Luther because it was so dark I needed to get out from under the, the, the crevice of darkness. Mm-hmm. I watched one. My mother's been screaming to me about Big Little Lies since it started. So mm-hmm. I watched the first episode and I thought, well, you know, I've heard it's really good. It's so unusual. I don't even know how to give it a genre. Really? Yeah. It's just really unique. Huh. I haven't seen it. It's it's a lot of stars, you know. It's Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and yes, all these fabulous women loaded with stars. Loaded with stars. I watched the first one. I thought this feels very soap opera y to Keep me. Keep going. Okay. All right. That's I've heard it's worthy. Although somebody wrote on my thread that they didn't like the ending, but um, that's you know, what a that's, lot of people said. Like yeah. they talked about it oh, in my class today. Wa- get out of here. Yeah, they at the water it. cooler. Right. No, they were like, this is government and media and we're talking about this show. And I was like, what are you talking about? But yeah, so they mentioned it and they were like, no, I didn't like the ending. And I was like, I liked the ending. You did like the, okay. All right, good. I'm going to go back and watch that one. I got a lot of, a lot. um, I started Goliath. Another thing I watched one episode of Goliath in the middle of all of this, trying to get some light because Billy Bob Thornton don't get much better than Billy Bob. And I thought, you know, that was nice. It didn't, it didn't suck me in the way some of these other ones like bloodline like shameless like there are some shows that you shameless. just i love shameless oh, right and i'm yes. watching and girl, <laughs> girls there are certain shows i watch in real time because they're just irresistible like shameless like girls i watch in real time um and you know even grace and frankie which i i could not love lily and jane more i just adore them i think the men are miscast <gasps> what I, are you saying I'm to sorry. me I, anything I with martin short is martin sheen martin. is perfect <laughs> Either Martin Short or Martin Sheen. I love Martin Those Sheen, but I don't Martins. buy him as gay. Not in a million, hundreds, Well, he's such a good actor. Years. He is, but not gay. And 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 Sam Waterston, also fabulous. So cute. But they're so cute, but they're so over the top. The, the show is so over the top for me. But I, but you That's know its job. You know who I think it is its job? And it was a great diversion. It, it real. That's what I watched post-op right away, and it really took my mind off my troubles. I think the daughter, the oldest daughter on that show is quite brilliant. Look what we're doing. We're doing like, spending like the whole show like I talking think about Netflix extremely shows. helpful people I, won't have to start their own Facebook threads I'm, I'm you won't that's have to, true that's it's right true. so the other shows that were highly recommended were Fargo which I have not watched I I saw one episode in a talk back with Billy Bob but I'm gonna watch some Fargo um uh just I, I well, you guys, you know, I'm I'll post it. I'll post it on my on my uh there's another Netflix show out there What's I haven't that? watched it yet yeah but it's called Love, and I heard that's good. You know, I watched the first episode. Really? It didn't do it for me. A lot of people say say good things. The well, aff- putting well, it out there. <laughs> was, I don't know if the affair was... Sh- I think the affair was Showtime. It took me a little uh, warming up to that one. Did you see that one, Louise? I did not. Um, I have to say. And and the woman who is in the affair is also in Luther, and she's a creepy-ass woman, but boy, is she good. Yeah, her... Ruth Wilson, I believe her name is. She's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. So, yeah, so it's been a week of eating... Total crap and watching a lot of Netflix and 
what happens, um, oh, and I didn't want to take the drugs. Here, This was my point of the whole thing. So I am going to be celebrating one day at a time. If God's with me on Friday, I'll have 15 years of sobriety. And, you know, they offer you, they don't just offer you drugs. They literally push the drugs. So they asked me about 20 times if I wanted the narcotic pain medicine. And then they asked me if I wanted the Valium sleeping pill. And I said no to all of those. I wasn't even going to take the steroids to lessen the swelling because steroids can have weird side effects. But, you know, they're saying, no, it's just five days. Do it. You'll, you know, you'll feel better. It'll help. And anyway, so I turned down the pain meds. I turned down the sleeping pill and I didn't sleep at all. Wow. The, like the first night I was up all night, just miserable oh, watching Netflix no. all night long. Just, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. Oh. I was so congested. And so when I went in the next day, I had to, Harry had to take me back to, they said, come on, you know, l- let me give you the, the sleeping thing. And I was like, no, I really, I'm, I really don't want it. I really don't like that the way it feels. I, I was never into pills anyway. It's, she, you know, it won't, I won't give you enough to get you in trouble. I said, it's not that I feel like I'm going to get get in trouble and it's not a relapse if it's prescribed. I just don't like that feeling. Mm -hmm. So on my way home, I was so uncomfortable and almost crying. I was so uncomfortable. And she called me, the nurse called me and said, can I please just call in the prescription? Will you just consider it because you really need to sleep? And I said, all right, call it in. I won't use it, but go ahead and call it in. So she called it in, and I think it's some version of Valium or something, which, and I don't like Valium. I remember having to take it for an MRI once, and I felt really hungover afterwards. I didn't like the feeling. Um, Anyway, she called it in. We picked it up, and I went home that night, and again, it's 4 a.m. I'm watching Netflix. I can't breathe. I'm miserable. I'm just out of my mind, and I think, all right, I'll take a quarter pill, a quarter Maybe this is the third night. I haven't slept three nights in a row. Oh, my God. I take a quarter of a pill, and I go to take it, and I drop it down my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I drop it down my shirt. I said, all right, this is an omen. I'm not meant to take this. (laughs) I watch a couple more episodes of whatever I'm watching, Luther at the time, and I wake up. I I fall asleep for like an hour or two. I wake up. I've slept two hours in like three days. I'm like, oh, my God. I find the quarter of the pill on my bed. I thought, okay, I'm just – I'm breaking down. I'm Mm -hmm. taking the goddamn pill. Forgetting whatever day that was, that was the day that I had to go. Uh, I had an appointment and I had to go. And um, I was driving myself for the first time. And now I'm like, I took a quarter of a... This does not sound safe. But meanwhile, I took a quarter of a pill six hours prior. And I'm such a pussy that I'm like, oh my God, I feel weird. This feels weird. Not like drugged or anything. But you're also sleep deprived. Sleep deprived, can't breathe. So anyway, that was my my big... And and I thought, oh my God, I've been 15 years sober and I took something. But, you know, I spoke to my sponsor. I spoke, you know, I, I... I did not in any way go out, but it did feel like really weird to to have done that. But I bring all of this up because I'm wasting time. No, I hope I haven't bored you out there, um, you listeners out there. But I bring it up because our guest tonight um, is celebrating something today, too. I'm going to wait for her to tell us about it, but I'm going to tell you about her in the meantime. You guys, do you know? Okay, so, Lindsay, I don't know if you will know. Kathy Ladman. You might not know the name, but I'm guessing you might, when you hear her voice, recognize her voice because she's been on a lot of TV. Okay. Okay. Um, but Louise, I know you know Kathy. I know Kathy. 
and, and I love her. She's hard not to love. She's, she's pretty a sweetheart and wonderfully gifted. She's very gifted. She's so funny. And she's also very smart. Mm -hmm. And she really uses her social media for good. She's a, a tremendous activist and um, really is out there keeping awareness going and and stating opinion. I really respect that. Um, Kathy Ladman not only appeared on The Tonight Show nine times, she was also the only female comic to appear on the last two of Johnny Carson's Tonight Show anniversary shows. And considering all the female comics that have been on The Tonight Show, that's an incredible honor. Yes. She enjoyed five appearances on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. She's had her own HBO One Night Stand comedy special, and she was awarded the American Comedy Award for Best Female Stand-Up Comic. Well earned. Okay, so her film roles, Kathy's been in Charlie Wilson's War, The Aristocrats, White Oleander, What Planet Are You From, My Fellow Americans, and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And Lindsay, if you haven't seen that, I recommend it highly. I think you'll love it. She's had guest starring roles on t on the TV shows Pretty Little Liars. I love that show. All right, so you've, <laughs> so you've seen Kathy. There you go. And I we knew, have I, daylight. I knew, I knew we have a winner. I knew there would be something. Okay, there you go. NCISLA, Mad Men, Brothers and Sisters, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Everybody Loves Raymond, and her pilots include Caroline in the City, in which she had a recurring role, and Carlos, um, Amer uh, American Nuclear, and Hot Prospects, which you've likely never heard of. <laughs> she was a regular panelist on Bill Maher and Scott Carter's Politically Incorrect. I love the way she added Scott Carter's name in there. Scott Carter's the producer. I went to college with him and have known him forever. Kathy's obviously known him a long time, and she's really sweet because no one ever gives Scott that credit. In the, uh, I love that. But that's the way she is. She mm -hmm. is that kind of person. Mm -hmm. She's the person that on the Facebook. She's telling you what today. She, she, she endorsed two books of of other people's Aww. today and said, I'm buying them right now. And she recommended them to people. That's Aww. the kind of person she is. I love that about That's her. Um, and she's been, was a repeat guest on comedy, on the Comedy Central classic, Dr. Katz, professional therapist. And <sighs> Dr. Katz, Jonathan actually contacted so me. He wants to do our show, but he can't stay awake. He's, he's back east and 1015 oh. is too late for him. So we're going to have to figure out a way to accommodate him because Dr. Katz, professional yeah. therapist wants to do our show. Yeah. So we have to do it. Yeah. So Kathy loves writing as well. And she's been creating her own projects as well as spending seasons writing on the Caroline Ray show, the Wayne Brady show, Caroline in the city, which is a different Caroline altogether. And Roseanne, she wrote on Roseanne. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to talk to her about that because there's a lot of, you know, scuttlebutt about what went on on that set. Mm -hmm. And she also wrote an episode of King of Queens, which is crazy because I was just with Jeff Sussman, the executive producer, Less two weeks ago in New York or how, whenever that was. So we have a lot, Kathy and I know a lot of the same people and there's a lot of overflow. It's going to be a fun conversation. Kathy did a successful run off Broadway in The Jap Show, The Princesses of Comedy, which is another crazy thing because when I did stand up in 1980, oh my God, it was 1984-ish, I closed my set with a Jap rap. Now, this is, you know, that sounds so ordinary and, and pedestrian now, but in those days, rap was brand new. Mm -hmm. And a Jap rap, was, now, I mean, it's not like I coined the phrase Jap, but, mm -hmm. but it was kind of um, 
edgy at the time, mm-hmm. but now it's so pedestrian. But anyway, but but Kathy is part of the Jap show, The Princesses of Comedy. I'm sure she's genius in it. She was in the 25th anniversary production of Last Summer of at Bluefish Cove in Los Angeles, which was nominated for several GLAAD awards, because that's another thing about Kathy, is that she takes her politics and she puts it in her art, which I love. Um, she and HBO developed her solo show, Scaredy Pants, and took it to the Aspen Comedy Festival. And her new solo show, her newest, Does This Show Make Me Look Fat, um, was excerpted for a TEDx, a TED Med talk. Because Kathy talks, is fearless in talking about her issues. And I'm going to let her tell us what they are and what she's celebrating today. But it's huge. And she's incredibly brave fearless, fierce, um, outspoken, um, so helpful to others um, by sharing her journey and her struggles. Um, She's, uh, it, it, it never ceases to surprise me how clearly, succinctly, definitively she describes her journey and um, the wall she's walked in and the path she's taken, which has been a very painful one, um, which I know a lot of people are going to relate to. Um, anyway, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I love Kathy as a performer, as an artist, but I also, and as a person, and I also adore her and am blessed to call her a friend. So, Wheezy, Lindsay, help me welcome Kathy Ladman. Yay! Kathy. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Were we better than your audience tonight? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to introduce you to our sound engineer, Louis. No, see now I'm confused. <laughs> I'm totally confused. Our sound engineer's name is Lindsay. I know this. Lindsay. Lindsay. Say Hello. Hi, Hello. And, Hi, Lindsay. And Lindsay Hi, is... Lindsay. A, Lindsay is a big yes, fan of, wait, what was the show? That, oh, Pretty, Pretty Little, Little Liars. Liars. Yes, big fan of Pretty Little Liars. Oh, yes. Oh, you know, my ep- I have another episode coming up on uh, April 18th, Ooh, actually. Stop. stop. Can, you get, can you give Lindsay any dope? Can you give her the scoop? You know, I don't, I'm not even sure what happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I taped it when I was in fourth grade. Uh, I don't remember. Lindsay's 22, so, you know... Yeah, so when, oh. yeah, so that shows like right in her wheelhouse. Definitely. All right. Yes. And then exactly. also, um, Kathy in the studio, my producer Wheezy, who, but okay, but Wheezy, who? yeah, it, Louise Palanker, you know her as Le- Louise Palanker, yes, you know Louise, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Louise like is Jeffers, like the Jeffersons. Were you really into the Jeffersons? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I am married to a very wealthy dry cleaner. <laughs> You know, it's really lucky. <laughs> it's it's very it's weird because I had a really hard time calling her Wheezy. Everybody calls her Wheezy, and I had a really hard time calling her that. And so now I only call her that half the time. I like call her Wheezy half the time and Louise half the time, and it's can, very confusing to She's people. She's in like transition. Well, but I've always called her Louise. That's right. Yeah. I've never been in. I've never called you Wheezy. Yes, and that's perfectly acceptable. I think I think at Women Who Write, everybody calls her Louise. Is I that think, what I write on my name tag? I, you, I don't know. Do yeah. you wear a name tag at Women Who Write? Oh, no, I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Nobody, no. But professionally, you're professionally you're Louise. Right, and on Facebook, I'm Louise Palenker. So it's well, just there like, you go. it's just like Lucille Ball and then, you Luce, know. Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. Wheezy. Lucy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So, All right, yeah, so, okay, so, but I'll try to do that. I have a friend who changed her name, too, and it's very hard. Oh, no, it's not to, a name change. Um, it's just like if you I said... I go back and forth, and I don't mean to, but I do. If you said to me, start calling me Kathleen, I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, I'm, I'm actually, in about 10 years, that's going to happen. But um, <laughs> now I can hear... I'll, 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 see, I'll see how I can... I'll, I'll try to... I'll try it on. I'll tell you, I'll it's, it's, it's very, it's very challenging for me. I, I can't do it all the time. It only works some of the time. Even like mid sentence, I can call her Wheezy and Louise in the same sentence, and I'm yeah, I do that all Seriously. the time. Seriously, like yeah. how how um, when did you start calling yourself Wheezy? I was a page on the Jeffersons, and that just <laughs> are you serious? I am very serious, <laughs> and it just happened. See that everyone. Yeah, <laughs> every I am. I, I was, and I am serious. Kathy thought it was a joke. Wait, you know, you know. Oh my God, you know that's hilarious. You know what? What you'll know. Yeah. The man uh, that my mother went to uh, college with, Who's Bernie this? West. Yes, she went to college with he him. He was um, big producer. Oh yes. Wow. In those Very days, big producer, and I. Rem- he started as a writer, and his first writing job in in. Um, in uh, Hollywood was uh, all in family. Wow. So we worked with Norman Lear. And, wow. Oh, my gosh. And I was just yes, a little Yes, and girl. I remember his wife saying, I went to visit him back when I had an aborted attempt moving out to L.A. And, and I came to see the show, and then I went backstage and talked to them. And, oh. and his wife said to me, this is his first steady job. Oh. <laughs> What a great because memory. Because he was an actor in New York, and he had this goofy face. Yeah. I remember seeing him on commercials when I was a kid in New York. Uh-huh. Oh, that's... And then he moved out here, and he got this uh, great job, and then he became a very successful producer. Wow. See, and you thought it was a big joke when you said, did you like the Jeffersons? <laughs> it really turns <laughs> yes. out that is how she got her name. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're like, do they already like, think about Esterol when they, think of, when they talk to you? No. no, it was Isabel Sanford. Um, Esterol was on Good it, Times. Well, right, because it was Isabel Sanford. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, it's not Esterol. Excuse me. Esterol is from Good Times. She was on the next studio over. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. You're um, forgiven. All right. So listen, I was just telling. I got my black matriarch <laughs> up. I'm sorry. I was. I got my black matriarch. <laughs> I was just. Uh, I was just telling Lindsay and. Uh, See, now I don't know what to call it. Now I don't know if I should say Wheezy or Louise. I'm all confused. (laughs) Wheezy. I'll call her Wheezy. Obviously, it's Wheezy. (laughs) It's obviously it's Wheezy. Okay. So I was just telling them that you're celebrating something today, and I I, I didn't say what. Oh. But but tell us. So so what is today for you, Kathy? I'm celebrating being away from home. No. (laughs) I I am actually enjoying that immensely. I'm I'm away from home. But I am celebrating... um, 35 years of recovery from my eating disorder, that, which is anorexia. That is, I, I can't, I cannot even imagine. And here's is, where the comedy story. <laughs> that is so long ago. I mean, you, you got, you were just a baby when you started getting, getting your, your life together. That's amazing that you've. Well, <sighs> yes. I mean, I start, I became, I became anorexic at around age 19. Mm-hmm. So I, I I was I was sort of recover I was you know I had some recovery 
before I was, this is, this is my, my marker in a 12 step program. Okay. So I had, I had some recovery before that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when I began going to meetings, I picked the recovery day. And actually it's so funny because, um, I can't remember if my, uh, Actual birthday is either the fourth, the fifth, or the sixth. Uh, so I just can't, I just picked the middle one. And I'm like I'm like a Russian woman who who came over through Ellis Island. I couldn't know my birthday. Yeah, I, you know, but I did the same thing for my sober date. I couldn't remember if it was the the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, or the seventh. So I chose the latest one figuring to be safe so i picked april 7th oh, so i'm okay. going to be 15 on okay. friday yeah so um okay so now so i want to hear wow happy bir- and happy birthday to you thank okay so now what do they call the anorexia they don't say happy birthday do they say happy anniversary what do they say no, they say happy birthday. Oh, they do. Okay. I didn't know they were we all the same. No, you can't have cake we for don't, anorexics. We don't, we don't have cake. We have, we, blow, we have a candle. We don't eat it. We blow, we blow out. <laughs> I never thought of that. You know, it, L.A. is so different than New York. In New York, why? When well, you, what did they do in New York? They don't do shit. They they call it an anniversary. There is no singing when they right. hear that they sing Happy Birthday and right. give you a I cake know. and blah. They think that is a. There's no clapping in New York. There's no applause. I know. You know We're so queer. It's, it's, We're very queer. Yes, L. A. is a whole we different are. deal. It, but there's something nice about yeah. the whole celebration. It's kind of lovely. I don't know. I go to some meetings where there's no clapping if, if, between shares, and I kind of like that. Yes, I do too, and I agree. The clapping after every share is a little bit un- it's unnerving. Really wearing. It's, it's really wearing. It's wearing. <laughs> Everybody needs so much approval out here. So, okay, so I I, I want to talk about Liddy, little Kathy Ladman, and not only um, now just how it informed your career, but also your eating disorder, and, and if you know where all of that started. So, so you're a little kid. When, when do you know you're funny, well, Kathy? You had to always be funny, but when do you realize you're funny? I think when I was around five or so. Yeah, what happened? I started to realize that I was funny. Yeah. I just started to do these impressions, and mm-hmm. my, very, my very first impression was of my very old principal. No, actually, no. Wait, when I was five, I remember... You know, my mother, this was, when I was five, this was like 1960, okay? Yeah. And my mother had, you know, women had like, like real, like undergarments and like foundations, you know? <laughs> and my mother had this like one piece bra girdle thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so funny because, you know, now when I think about it, it was just about like lying on, out on the bench in her, in her bedroom and the probably bench? She had a imagine bench? the night before she was like, Oh, let me just get this thing out and throw it over here, you know? And, <laughs> and then I picked it up and I put it on. I was prancing around and doing, you know, making believe I was like a, a grown up lady. And, you know, everybody was so entertained. That's the first laugh that I remember getting. Actually. Wow. Wow. That's so great Isn't that, that you remember. Funny? Yes. And it's so great that you remember it. So were your parents funny? Where does the funny come from in your house? My dad was funny. Yeah. Um, my mother's funny now, <laughs> but she, um, she, but she was not funny when we were growing up at all, um, because she was too busy like jockeying for position. I think. <laughs> you know, my parents were just like always, always at each other. Ah. And um, but but my father was very witty. 
Mm-hmm. And both of my parents are very bright, were, mm-hmm. you know, are and were very bright. Mm-hmm. So your father's humor, like, can you liken your humor? Did he have a specific, like... Um... He could be very, yeah, he could be very dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so who were your, um, when you were a kid and you're watching TV, are you watching like The Little Rat? What do you watch? Kathy and I are exactly the same age. We're literally like days apart. So what are you watching when you're a kid? What's making you laugh when you're a little kid? Okay. Three Stooges. Hell yeah. Um, uh, Abbott and Costello. Absolutely. La- Laurel and Hardy. Did you watch The Little Rascals? Um, I was big into The Little Rascals. Yeah, definitely The Little Rascals. Mm-hmm. In fact... You know, my mom, when she was, some people say that I look like Darla, that I look like Darla. I can see I that. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but my mom had, didn't, did Darla have straight hair? I, I can't remember. But my mom, I had this, this baby picture of my mom where she's so cute. She, my mom had straight hair. Mm-hmm. She has dark, dark straight hair with bangs. And to me, that she reminds me of Darla and that Aww. picture of her. Um and I love The Little Rascals, but, oh, my God, it's so racist when you watch it now. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. I'll tell you something. My husband was watching it with his kids. They, they maybe had, they had a tape of it, or maybe it was on some station when his kids were little. Yeah. And, and um, the kids were all, in this, in, this, um, in this scene, the kids were all being called into dinner. Mm-hmm. And, they say, and the and the and the uh, mother's going. And remember to wash your hands and your face. And so, and Spanky turns to Buckwheat, I think, mm-hmm. or St- no Buckwheat, and says, "You're lucky. You don't have to wash your face." Ooh. And Tom, his jaw <laughs> dropped, and he just he didn't say anything. He just. He was like, let's just get past this. Let's just get past this. <laughs> oh, God. I know. Isn't that awful? I mean, look, I mean yeah. when, when were they made? In the 30s? I, I, don't, I don't know. But, yeah, a long time ago. They were old when we were watching them. I, yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, I have to look this up. I can't. Cause I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, actually. Look it up. Just Google, when of, was it okay to say that? On this trip. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. That's absolutely crazy. Well, do you remember like Beulah? I mean, they were like horrible racist things. Uh, I don't remember Beulah. I remember oh. I remember like the name, but I don't remember watching oh, yeah. the show. Beulah, Beulah was like the, she was, she like the mammy. She had like the, Louise, do you remember Beulah? Yes. Yeah. Beulah had like the Who head thing. I don't, I don't know her name, but she was like the na- the mammy. She was like the housekeeper, and she was big and heavy, and mm-hmm. she had a big white turban thing on and an apron, and she looked like... Oh, wow. An- I can she just l- picture it. I can picture it. Yeah, she yeah. looked like Aunt Jemima from she the box. Like, she looked like or, she was from Gone right, with the Wind. Right, Gone right, with the right. Wind, yeah. She looked like Hattie McDowell. Yeah. So, be- I mean, there were terrible racist stuff when we were kids. That was like craziness. It was rampant all over the place. Okay, so the things, so those oh, things God. made you funny. Yes. It made you, made you laugh. And and did you have like, did you ever like when you were a little kid go? Oh, when you were a little kid, what was the fir- your first dream of what you wanted to do when you grew up? Did you have that thought? Well, hold on, I can't believe I'm watching this. The Little Rascals yeah. TV series started in 1955. That's when I was oh, born. That's, that's when we were born. That's crazy. No, no wait it's from the 30s. Our gang. Yeah, our okay. gang was from 1922. There you go. 
There you go. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. That makes more sense, yeah. That's like the beginning okay. of talkies. So, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. What? It's what? like the beginning of talkies. That's the very beginning. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, old. How wild. Okay, so as far as, like, what I wanted to do, the first thing, I, when I was, I became, I used to watch comedians on TV all the time, um, I mean, particularly Ed Sullivan, because that Hell was the yeah. only one right. that I could stay up for, really, mm-hmm. when I was little. Mm-hmm. And um, do you and remember? I got older... Do you remember London Lee? Yes, I do. You know, I asked that. I was talking to someone on this show a few months ago, and I mentioned London Lee. They were talking about Ed Sullivan, and they didn't know who London Lee was. There was no way you could watch but the I, Ed Sullivan show and not know London Lee. I loved London Lee. He was I on all the time. I can't remember what he did. He was a comic, and he was tall and lanky. Right, and I can't remember what he was like. I'm looking him up now. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I don't see his sister. I see Johnny Carson's um, sister. I, I, don't, um, I don't remember what his humor was specifically, but I I just knew I had a big crush on him and he used to make me laugh. He was very smart and he was very smart. He was smart and funny is what he was. Really? Because his name sounds like he would be very um, borshty. Yeah, no, not 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 borshty at all. He was really smart and funny. He was very hip. Very tall, very lanky, very hmm. hip. All right. So so right, who, I'm, not, I'm having. OK, go. Yeah, go ahead. Who, so right. who wanted Sullivan? Your question was. Yeah. Who? who wanted Sullivan do I remember? Okay, I remember very clearly, for some reason, I, rem- well, I remember Alan King. Hell yeah. And I remember, I remember, for some reason, very clearly, Jackie Vernon. Mm-hmm. I always loved Jackie Vernon. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him? I do. I do. I knew him from the Catskills, and he too. Would do this, mm-hmm. He would do the thing with the, um, he would do the, like a pretend slideshow. That was his thing. <laughs> Like you say, here's my family, and the, 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 the next one, here they are in the lake, drawing, you know, get, when the car went in there, yeah. here they are ringing out my uh, their dresses, here's my wife hitting me in the head. You know, whatever it was, it was just like each one was built, each joke was, my, it was a terrible rendition, I'm sorry to the family of no, Jackie that was Vernon, very, that was, I apologize. That was very funny. <laughs> And how, but, um, how about women? Like, did you remember Tody? Was Tody Field like Tody Rivers? Fe- and to Tody Joan? Field. Yes, yes, yes. And, yes. and you know what? I have a friend whose grandmother was, um, oh God, what was her last name? Jean. Um, oh, I can't believe that I'm that I'm blanking on her name. Hmm. Jean. She was like a like a real. She was like a like a monologist, like kind of like what I do, but really. Way back. Huh? Oh God, this is bothering me. I I don't, um, I don't I can't imagine who you're talking about. I'm going to find out. Don't you worry. All right, she's looking don't at. Don't you worry, little lady. All right, All right. so so while you're googling her, so so now you're a little kid. You're watching comics on Ed Sullivan. Do you already know this is what you want to do? When did you When do you decide this? Well, I became very um, I became very uh, like connected with comedy. When I was eight years old, I used to listen to my parents' comedy albums, in particular mm. Nichols and May, Examine mm. Doctors. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's when I, um, that's when I really uh, connected to it, but I didn't really think that I was going to um, be a comedian. But when I was about, I guess when I started you know, watching the late night shows when mm-hmm. I was a little bit older, uh-huh. then 
I started to entertain the idea of being a comic. That's, that's when I knew. That's when I knew. When I was about 13, I made a conscious, conscious, um, you know, decision, uh, decision yeah. to make it, to, to become a comedian. And, um, and then it took me another 13 years to do it because I was really too scared. I was oh. just too scared to do it. Now, during that 13 years, though, are you like doing school play? Are you, are you acting? Are you singing? What are you doing? You doing anything related? Um, well, a very big, a very big um, event in my life was in camp when I was cast. And oh, I remember, remember in third grade, we were like daisies yeah. in, one, in one production. And all the other kids like bought their daisy, like kind of collars or something and hats. Yeah. And my mother didn't want to buy mine and she made it and it looked nothing <laughs> like a daisy and it looked nothing like anybody else's. I mean, I can, it, it was just, it was, it was her, this old hat of hers that was flat. I mean, it makes me a little bit sad because they, but it, you know what? I, I remember that my mother was on a very strict allowance yeah. by my father. Uh-huh. And, um, maybe th- this is making me very sad, actually. Hmm. Maybe that's why she decided to not um, buy it. Maybe she just didn't have the scratch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Jean Carroll. It was Jean Carroll. Jean Carroll. I don't remember yeah. her. And you probably don't know who she is. I but don't. Look her up and see and see if you can find any stuff on her. Uh-huh. She did real like set up punchline, re- real monologist. Uh huh. She wasn't a character. She wasn't like like a Phyllis Diller. I remember her, of course, a lot. Of course. She's a, right. She wasn't a character like Phyllis Diller. And this was a little bef- maybe it was before Joan Rivers a little bit. Mm. So, um, very interesting. Um, Anyway, so um, uh, I decided when I was 13 I was going to do it, and then I started to get real cold feet, and I didn't do anything. And then, you know, I studied media and communications in college. And uh-huh. then, of course, my mother said, well, why don't you take an, educa- an education degree to fall back on? Uh-huh. And so I, I, I was a double major of English, um, English education and I fell like immediately back on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a teacher for a year, um, 1976, 77, outside of Philly. And but I was doing it for a year, and there was a comedy club in town. And I decided I would do a that the next summer after I after I taught, I did a um, I did a, two amateur nights. Uh-huh. Uh, two consecutive weeks in a row, and get this: the first week I was there, the MC was Joe Bolster. Oh my God! Well, I don't know if these guys knew, but Joe, well, wow, <laughs> he's a friend. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. it's pretty wild, huh? Yeah. And Rich Hall was on the show. Wow, I didn't know Rich Hall was our age. I thought he was younger. Maybe he was. He could have been younger. Not too not much, young. much. Yeah, not too much right, younger. I was because. Because I was, well, I don't know, maybe, because I was, let me think, I was 21 yeah, so when, he, I, when yeah. that time. So, well, I mean, how much younger could he have been? No, he can't. He has to be our age. So, you know, okay, he has to be so, able to drive. So. so you brave it up and and you do, it, how, how does it go? How do those first spots go? 
Well, the first one went well, the second one not so well as, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to quit my teaching job because I didn't want to be a teacher. And I was going to, um, it was the summer of Sam, okay? Mm-hmm. 1927, it was the summer of Sam. Mm-hmm. And I went, uh, I went to New York to visit from Philly. And I wore a scarf on my head because he was killing dark-haired women. I was just going to say, we have to and, tell Lindsay what Summer of Sam is because this is before her time. Oh, okay. Well, Go, go ahead. Tell was, Kathy. What was his name? What David, was his name? David Berkowitz. David, some, my brother went to, to high school David, with him. David Berkowitz. David Berkowitz? Yeah. Who went to high school with My brother Who? went to Columbus High School with him. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Did he know him? He knew of him, you know, and, and you know, just mm. that he was like a weird kid. He didn't like, he wasn't friends with him or anything, but he knew of him. And do you know that Michael Imperioli wrote that movie, by the way? That fabulous, really? that fabulous movie with John Leguizamo? Yes. Michael Imperioli wrote that screenplay. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, I don't even think I've, I don't think <gasps> I've seen it. Didn't Spike oh. Lee direct it? Didn't, uh, yes, it was a Spike Lee film. It's a great film, by the way. Excellent film. Wow. Oh, yeah. gonna, oh I love scary films. I think I'm yeah. going to Netflix it. Right? Very uh, scary. Show. Very scary, yeah. Oh, I love going. Well, I like watching something scary before I go to bed when I'm in a hotel. You just missed our entire opening, which was about all the Netflix shows we're watching. You must watch Happy Valley on Netflix. That's all I'm going to say. Don't know. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, is that you the mean, best? I've seen both seasons. <gasps> it is like probably one of the best things I've ever seen. Ever in my life. Ever in my life, okay? Louise is going to watch tonight. I can't tonight. remember the actress's name. I don't know and, her and name either, her but I love series. her. I love her. I should know her name. That's an insult yeah. that I don't know her name, but she was... <sighs> can you curse on your show? Of course you can. It's me. All right, well, now I don't want to curse now because I'm like, I already showed my hand. <laughs> I'll save it for later. But um, she was... Was in the, she was unbelievable. Genius. Unbelievable. Genius. In, in this. Did you see both seasons? I, I'm, I have the second season for tonight, Kathy. I can't even tell you how excited <laughs> I am. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my God. I'm jealous. Yeah. I, all right. So anyway, so, uh, so go back. So it's, so, so it's Summer of yes. Sam, and so you go to New York. Go ahead. Yes, I go to New York, and, you know, I know Jerry Seinfeld since I'm 15. Now, tell that story. Didn't you, like, didn't you date him or something? Yes, we <gasps> met in nine, summer of 1971 when we were both on a teen tour to Israel. <laughs> and that is so I sad. Know, I, know. I can't even talk. In every of- casual conversation <laughs> you have. That is, that is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> what, that sentence? Yes. Well, I met him in 1971 the- when we were on a teen tour to Israel. If you have a so, contest yeah, of <laughs> opening sentences starring every famous person in the world, you will win. <laughs> With that really? sentence, yes, really? that's gold. Well, that's that's a pretty broad category, but thank you. Um, anyway, so um, and we were—he was like my first love. Jerry was my that first is, love. Oh, oh and, my God! God, you don't wind up together. And Jerry, actually, it's interesting because we used to talk about comedy a lot that summer. And was he already do, was he doing him, comedy then? No, he was 16 years old. Well, no, I but I mean, Gabe him, started when he was like 16. He started to stand up very young, so I didn't know. Yeah. Who did? Gabe. Gabe, he started when he was 16? I think the first time he did it was in high school. I think I think he got up once well, when he was in high school. I don't school. know how old Gabe is. He's a little younger than us, a little, tiny bit, a couple yeah, of years. So yeah, so we're talking 19, this is 1971. Right. And I actually, and Jerry, Jerry has, has, um, 
reminded me and Mark Schiff of this, that I was the person who actually told Jerry that stand-up comedy was a viable, um, you know, profession and that he would be really good at it. So the whole so, world has Kathy Ladman to thank for Seinfeld. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. Exactly. Wow. That's, the, that's exactly the point I was making. So, um, I want to turn this so, into a anyway, sitcom. So, say, I missed what we. I said. just want Kathy and Jerry in Israel to become a sitcom. <laughs> Fifteen-year-old. But you know what? I have asked Jerry. I have said I want to do comedians in cars, and we should talk about. Oh my yes. God. You know, our beginning. Yes. But he does not really. He would. I think he just wants celebrities on there. You know, you're a celebrity. celebrity. Um, you are a celebrity, Kathy Ladman. Yes, you I are am, on Pretty I Little Liars, <laughs> but not, but not like Robert Klein. And yeah, not like, yeah. Um, you know, uh, whoever the hell else. I yeah, don't know. I, I want to I um, interject with a tiny little story here. And I just want to say, there, there. Um, when my book was coming out, there were a couple of very famous people that had like a new podcast. One of the the one of the hosts was is very famous. The other one not so. Anyway, and I said, could you? Uh-huh. Ha-, and they had done Women Who Write, and I asked them if I could do their podcast to promote my book. And they basically told me that I wasn't famous and that I that they were very sorry, but they couldn't have me on. Because I wasn't famous, oh. and 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 not, I don't like these people. Right? You and can so, tell me who they are off the air. I, off the air, and so and then like the guy, them. the famous guy, said, "I have no doubt that you know I'll turn around and you'll be more famous than I ever was, but you know we can't do it." And they basically like stopped talking to me on social media and stuff. And of course, their podcast went off. The, like they had all these big celebrities on for like six months. The podcast mm-hmm. is long gone. Right. That podcast in the toilet. It never went anywhere. It wasn't anything. They could have done whatever they uh, wanted people were tuning in because he was a celebrity not because anyway but so that kind of shit makes me crazy so so what i'm trying to say is kathy that one day yeah. comedians in cars will be begging you will, will be pleading with you jerry will be pleading with you to do well i don't want him to plead <laughs> but um it just is it's to me. It's too bad because it would be such a great show. Such a great show. Um, so tell us the story and, that tell us the story that yes. you would tell on anyway, comedians so, in cars. So, say, what was that last thing you said? Sweetie? I said, tell us the story that you would tell about you and Jerry and on comedians in cars. Tell us the story. Well, but let, can I go back to the? Um, you don't want me Did, to go back and complete the summer of Sam yeah, uh, oh, chapter. Well, yeah. All right, all right, I don't know. I want them both. So tell us the Jerry story all first, because right. we're here. Okay, so what happened was, so it's, it's a great story. It, there, are many, there are many phases to it. So we go there, and we... Um, Two Jews we, in Israel. A, yeah, well, there were more Jews, believe me. There were plenty of Jews. <laughs> the place is full of Jews. <laughs> there were Jews aplenty. There were Jews aplenty. So... Um, so, but we, we, you know, were attracted to one another and we were very attracted to our senses of humor, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And, and then, it, so we were a big group initially, and then we each got dropped off at our respective kibbutz, kibbutzim. <laughs> and his kibbutz, kibbutz Sa'ar, was right, was like closest to my kibbutz, kibbutz Lachamehegeta Oz. <laughs> 
and I would spend most of my time, shut up, what's the matter? Because I said it properly. No, yes, so that's very funny to me. I'm sorry. I'm Jewish, by the way, everyone okay, out there. Okay, okay. So I say it properly. Don't, why do you make fun of me? Don't make fun of my, my Hebrew. Don't it's almost Passover. Anyway, so, um, so um, Hebrew is a good language. So, um, I, uh, so I would spend all of my time at Kibbutz Ta'ar because I wanted to be with Jerry, and we were trying to get me transferred there. And, and you know, and, and the people on Kibbutz Ta'ar were, like, really pissed off at me because I wasn't putting in my time there. <laughs> and I was just too lonely there. Oh. I wanted to be with my boyfriend. Oh. So I spent a lot of time on Jerry's kibbutz, and then it, we would meet at the town in the middle sometimes, uh, which, which is the town we called... What? What? I spent a lot of time on Jerry's kibbutz. It will, will be the second sentence in your award-winning TED Talk. <laughs> that, is just, that is just the best sentence. I spent a lot of time Which on Jerry's kibbutz. Which sentence was that? I spent a lot of time on Jerry's kibbutz. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just... That was... That was that's that? I spent a lot of time on Jerry's yes, it's, it's very funny. It's I'm crying. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Well, I can't, under, I can't hear, understand you, Susan. Your we're hilarity. laughing. I know. We're laughing um, too hard. Anyway, um, I take two words for it. But anyway, so um, there'll be more sentences. Believe me. <laughs> so, um, so we would sometimes meet in the town in the middle, Naharia. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> which sounded like diarrhea, but it was Naharia. And... I remember one time I was there at this little store, and I and they had these little books, you know, like springs of friendship, springs of uh, joy, mm-hmm. springs of love. And I remember going back and forth between springs of love and springs of friendship, springs of love and springs of friendship, springs of love and springs of friendship. Mm-hmm. And finally, I decided on springs of friendship. I was too afraid uh. to give Jerry the book. Springs of Love, oh. and he felt really bad. He he told me that like a little a little after that, he told me that he felt really bad that I didn't give him the Springs of Love. Oh, I, this is a and, beautiful love story. I'm really. <laughs> oh yeah, I love this. It really is. Yeah, go ahead. And so then we went home. What was very cool is that Jerry was from um, Massapequa, mm-hmm. and I was from Little Neck, Queens, mm-hmm. 25 miles away, but. My father owned a bowling alley in Massapequa Park. Oh, nice. So we would rendezvous. I would go out to the bowling alley. My dad would take me over to his house. I would sometimes stay overnight there. Uh-huh. I mean, separate rooms. Uh-huh. And sort of, I was quite young. And, um, and then there, was, there, was, there were times when Jerry would come to Little Neck and he would stay over there. In fact, my, my sister and brother-in-law and I were talking about it recently. And they reminded me that there was a very bad rainstorm, I think, and we couldn't, they couldn't get Jerry back to um, Massapequa, so he stayed overnight, and he ended up sleeping in the basement with my brother-in-law, who was not my brother-in-law yet. Yeah. So, um, um, so, so then um, he was going to go. He, he, he really adored me, I have to say. He oh, really, really adored me. <laughs> Come on. And he used to write me poetry. Oh, my and... God. Do you have any of it? Oh, God. You know, pr- you know, I have moved so many times, and I, I hope I can get my hands on it. But I hope I so, too. Kathy, that, that would be I remember priceless. one of them. Oh, my God. Oh, she remembers um, one of them. Oh, go ahead. And it was, and I remember he was, like, 
he, we were in my bedroom, and he <clears throat> was like kneeling on the floor and writing on a pad of paper, uh, like leaning on my bed. Oh my and God. I only remember the last few. The, the poem. The poem went. Um, it was all like action verbs. <laughs> I this. I that. <laughs> I that. I shush. And I had to ask him what that was. That's skiing. I shush. Mm. I soar. She's mine. <gasps> and. Aww. I know. It was just wow. it was so, I'd never had anyone who ever was so in love with me. Wow. And so I decided I was going to graduate early from high school in January and go straight to college because mm-hmm. I was very unhappy at home. Mm-hmm. So he decides that he's going to do the same thing. Wow. So, uh, but we ended up going to separate schools and I ended up, I ended up breaking up with him. We went it was just makes me like a like a lump in my throat. This is so sad. And we went to Manhattan together, mm-hmm. and one day it was in the fall, I guess, was and late fall. And we went we went to Manhattan, and and I just was like feeling that I I don't know what I was feeling. It could have been fear. Who knows what it was? But I just was feeling I didn't want to go out with him anymore. And I broke up with him over the phone. Wow. And. It was horrible, and I know I broke his heart. <gasps> I know I broke his heart. Kathy, you could have been Elaine. You could have been Elaine. <laughs> well, I could have. Oh, my. I mean, who knows? Oh, my it's God. It's so funny because I used to wear my hair like Julie Dreyfus. One time I was on The Tonight Show with Jason Alexander, and my hair was that way. And he goes, <laughs> we call it the wall of hair. He calls me. <laughs> Well, how come that they say that Elaine is um, based on Carol Leifer? Yeah, when Leifer. it's when she's based on you. They say she's based on Leifer. That's right. what they say, and, mm-hmm. and it's probably true. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think right. she looks well, no, more like you. Well, she does look no, like now Kathy. You but... your mind. Now you changed your mind. Well, she does look like she yes. looks more like Kathy. But but yeah. Carol did have a thing with Jerry too. So later, so yeah, yeah. But so, anyway, so then I went. Then there was one semester, like the, my my first semester senior year, I. I went to Queens College, mm-hmm. and Jerry was there, and we kind of reconnected, ah. and we started going out again. Oh! But he had another girlfriend, oh. and I was sort of in second position, so that wasn't nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy that, and then that kind of ended. But then, you know, we um, we weren't really in touch uh, that much, but. A little, on and off a little bit. And he was, he started doing stand-up. And so I came to, I was just scared of the whole idea of doing it. Mm-hmm. So the thought of moving to New York and doing it was terrifying to me. Right. Um, and maybe it was too close to my family also. So I, that's the summer of 77, I went to California for a few weeks. And I went by myself and I had such a great time. And I went to Los Angeles, one of my stops was in L.A., and I went to the comedy store, and I thought, I'm moving out to Los Angeles. Oh. I'm going to come out here. So when I went to visit Jerry in New York, um, in his you know studio apartment, mm-hmm. um, I told him we went over to we went. I told him what I wanted to do, and he says, "Let's go visit Larry Miller." And see what he says, because Larry was even pontificating back then. He was like the wise man. Wow! You know? so we go to visit Larry Miller, and he's got a big afro. He's wearing a <laughs> bathrobe, and he's in a rocking chair, and he's like thinking hmm, whether or not this would be a good idea. He goes, 
yes, I think it would be fine. You know. <laughs> anyway, so I go out there, and George um, uh, Wallace had gotten a job on the Red Fox Variety Show. Wow. He was being he was the Writers Guild job. He was being paid a thousand dollars a week. Wow! So Jerry, Jerry, and Larry told me to look him up. Mm-hmm. So I looked him up, and you know George was saying, "I didn't even think he had a chair. We were lying on his bed. <laughs> it was like no furniture." <laughs> and he said, "Well, you just got to keep writing in your legal pads, and you keep writing material." And and I was just terrified. And then I went, and then I visited Jay Leno or something that when I was there, and. But I was just too terrified. But wait a minute now. But wait, you've you've quit your teaching job. You've decided this is what you're going to do. Now you're not making you're you're not making a living from it. I assume yet, or are you? No, no, I I wasn't doing it. You weren't doing it it twice in Philadelphia. So I go out there, and Mm -hmm. I my father actually drove out with me. I was advertising for someone to drive out with me, mm-hmm. and my father was too nervous. My father was just too nervous about it. Yeah. And um, so I, um, I, he said, "I'll, I'll go with you." Uh-huh. And we had like the best ten days. Aww. I mean, I know that you had a very close relationship with your dad, mm-hmm. and it was. I mean, my father's relationship was was fraught with a lot of things, but mm-hmm. we became friends finally, mm-hmm. and this was a very solidifying event for us. Mm-hmm. We spent ten days driving cross country. We took our time, nice, and it was just and and one time when we were on Mo Gaffney's show, Women Aloud mm-hmm. in New York, she asked each of us what our the best memory of is of each other, and we both said that summer driving Aww. out was the best thing. Aww. And yeah, I know. I have a little picture of him sitting in, the, like, kind of crouching at the four corners from that <laughs> from that summer that I keep by my front door. Aww. And um, so, and he dropped me there on October fifteenth on my twenty second birthday. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even let me drive him to the airport, and I, I stayed. I was staying with a friend of one of my sister, sister and brother-in-law's friends. And um, and he took the flyaway bus. He had me drop him at the flyaway bus, mm-hmm. and he took it back to LAX that day mm-hmm. and got on a flight wow. to New York. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get a job, wait thing, thing. I could not get a job. I was I was I was so I was very inexperienced. I had no waitressing uh, experience, and uh-huh. they could tell I was going to suck. <laughs> and and I and I did. I did, I did have like one waitress job. I was terrible. I was a terrible waitress. <laughs> and um, you know, I was just like for some reason I was very inefficient as a waitress, and I seemed to be an efficient person mostly in life. But you know, I would go get a fork, then I'd go back and get a spoon, then I'd go back and get a knife. You know, we just. <laughs> It was just one potato, two potatoes. You know, it was just like really, I really, it was not my bailiwick. So um, I um, finally get it. I, I became, I don't know how I did this. Oh, yeah, I, it was an average, it was an advertisement. I know the school. It's, mm-hmm. it's the yeshiva now, different name, but I, I filled in for this woman who was going on maternity leave at the yeshiva. Wow. And. Then I um, became very good friends with another teacher there. And then I was so miserable there. My parents came to visit me um, 
in Jan- I think it was January, December, they came to visit me. And I said, I'm so miserable here. I don't want to stay here. Mm. And then I finally, like, I got into a car accident. I got the car fixed. I sold it to a cousin who lived out there. And I flew back to New York. And I arrived on the horrible, at the, the horrible snowstorm of, on February 5th, 1978. Oh, my. It's too scary to and, me that you remember these dates. Oh, my God. Huh? It's too scary to me what? that you remember. I can't believe you remember the dates. This is crazy. I know, because we had just looked that up the other day, and I said, I think it was February 5th, and somebody Googled it, and it was indeed February 5th. Wow. I know, my mind, you know, it's filled with these facts, and I can't remember, like, one person's name over and over and yeah, over yeah, again, yeah. you know? Yeah, Because I can't let go of these facts, like my my childhood uh, phone numbers, I still know those. I know my best friend's phone number. I know oh. the very first phone number I ever dialed, VA53387. <laughs> The very first phone call I ever played. Who was it? And when I, I called, it was my friend Renee Steinhagen. Uh. And I called, and her mom Lucy picked up. We had just gotten off the kindergarten bus, <laughs> and Lucy picked up. I was like, said the number all the way home. VA five three three eight seven. VA five three three I walked straight into the house. VA five three three eight seven. Picked up the phone. VA five three three eight seven. Lucy picked up the phone said hello and I had no idea what to say and I said hi um, it's Kathy and I just wanted to make sure that Renee got home okay (laughs) and she laughed she burst into laughter and I was a little embarrassed but it figures that I would do something that's so queer like that I just wanted to make sure that Renee got home okay very sweet oh god okay so so anyway so you come to you come back to New York and you feel a failure and what happens then I take, then, okay, so I'm looking at the Sunday Times. It, it, the, the whole city stops for a week, okay? Mm-hmm. This, that's how bad the snowstorm was. Right. Looking at the, the classifieds in the Sunday Times, and my father, I'm home for like a day, and my father says, so did you find a job yet? <laughs> oh. So I felt like such an immense pressure. Mm. So I took the very first job that I was offered. I was in the billing department. Oh, my God. It's interesting how this story all winds and all makes sense in the billing department of a uh, an ad agency. Uh-huh. So, you know, I begin to, you know, I, I was so afraid to, I was so upset about not being able to face stand-up, you know, and I mm-hmm. felt like such a failure. And I thought, well, you know, this ad, advertising is, is creative. I'm going to become a copywriter. Mm-hmm. So I take a course at the School of Visual Art, mm-hmm. and I put together a portfolio. And um, I, my boss in the billing department was a very, she was very bossy. So the word boss really worked for her. <laughs> and I was very skinny. At this point, I was really, really skinny. I had started practicing my disease at about 19, and I was down to, like, under 85 pounds. Oh, my God, Kathy. And I think, I think, I mean, I know that that was my lowest, and maybe I wasn't, you know, I think I was, I think I was down there then, and I'd lost my period, uh, and so she said that she... She wanted me to go see a doctor, and she gave me the name of her internist, and mm-hmm. I, and I had no choice but to go, mm-hmm. because you know she was adamant, and I knew inside, I knew, you know, in, in, inside my heart, I, I knew that that 
I needed to do that. Mm-hmm. So I went to see the doctor, and I would, you know, I would chew gum all the time, and I wouldn't eat lunch, and, you know, I'd have like an... And when I was a teacher, I wasn't even eating lunch. I had an apple and a tab for lunch. Oh, my God. And I was you know, on, a, on, a, on a quest to just keep losing weight. Mm-hmm. And I um, get to this doctor, and he examines me. And, of course, I'm chewing gum to keep myself, you know, from eating. Mm-hmm. And he, And I'm sitting in his office after the exam, the physical exam, and he looks at me and says, well, it's obvious you're an anorexic. And I remember feeling like really embarrassed hmm. that he could, that he saw, that he could see through my game. I thought I was being so clever covering it up, you know? And when it was so obvious to, just to look at me that there was something very wrong with me. Did they have a name so, for it back then? I mean, I, I knew a girl. Well, the medical were, community, yeah. uh-huh. I mean, thank God. Mm-hmm. I end up going to a doctor who, who was as knowledgeable as this guy. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And so he talked to me about, you know, he said, he said to me, he rattled off three things. He says, it's obvious you're anorexic. You, 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 you don't get your period. Right. You're extremely underweight and you chew gum instead of eating. You know, uh, it's like so obvious. Uh-huh. And so he told me about some options that they had for treatment. Uh-huh. And he said, there's this, um, there's a place that's doing, uh, that does uh, therapy mm-hmm. called the Ackerman Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on East 77th Street, I believe. And um, he says they do family therapy. And I left the um, doctor's office and I stopped at a payphone because it was, you know, now it was 1978. Maybe it was even 79 by now. And uh, that could have been, I think it was probably the summer of 78. And uh, I asked, I called my mom and I asked her if she would um, come to therapy with me. And she was completely willing to. Mm-hmm. My sisters were willing to, except my Leslie, my middle sister, was, was about to have a baby. Um, so that was kind of tentative. We didn't know what was happening. And my father refused. Mm-hmm. So the initial appointment was just my mother and I. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like basically my show that I'm doing for you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know, which I mentioned your show, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, because that's kind of the end of your story, or the, the current of your story, but it's a big part mm-hmm. of your story, yeah, so, so you... Anyway, so I, yeah. don't have to go, I, have to, yeah. I don't have to go into surgical detail, here, right. but it, my whole family did end up going, and it really it set me off on a very good path, and I was able to start doing stand-up finally in 1981, and when I moved out to Los Angeles in 85, I finally, months after that, I finally found a program. I found a program. And that got me on a very solid path. That, you know, one of, the, one of the things about being, having an eating disorder, being an addict, mm-hmm. you know, because it's an addiction. It's an addiction to... To being to controlling myself, it's an addiction to being skinny, right? It's a, and it's an addiction to the buzz you feel from not eating. Wow! And and you have to lie to yourself so much. And one of the things that I couldn't do in program was lie to myself, right? And that that really was the beginning of several 
important changes for me personally. So now how how so, are you are, when you're being fun, the stuff you're you're being funny about that you're doing with stand up are you using the stuff that's happening in your life because I mean stand up is about what's happening in our life isn't it so is this stuff that's going yes. on in your life is it is it ending but up in your act it, Well yeah I mean a lot of stuff in my life I mean I, my my act is all I mean back then for I the mean. most part it's very it's very autobiographical Right I mean back then Yeah well back then it was more observational but it was mm. not it it it's more it it went, it kept, as I developed as a comic, it became more and more autobiographical. Right, right. It was less about what was out there and more about what was in here. Right, right. Um, and uh, although what's in here is always very relatable because it's the human condition. So, absolutely, absolutely. You know, whereas I didn't, I couldn't relate to people um, about, you know, having to hold the toilet handle down. I, I could relate to people about my neuroses and my my insecurities, right, and my idiosyncrasies, right, right. Um, so, but you know, one thing that as time went by, I really wanted to talk about my eating disorder on stage, and it was very hard. I mean, there's something you can, for some reason, you can talk about being fat on stage, you can talk about doing drugs, you can talk about being a drunk. But when you start to talk about anorexia, the audience you can you can feel their their sphincters tighten up. Yeah, I bet that's they, true. They are too uncomfortable with it. They are yeah. too uncomfortable with it. And I think it's because a, a great deal of this is as a society, I think we lie to ourselves mm-hmm. about the disease. We are so so uh, obsessed with thinness. Mm. Uh, losing weight, dieting, mm. exercise, fat, mm-hmm. suck the fat, freeze the fat. You know, we mm-hmm. are so obsessed with it that it would change everything if we had to really look at our, uh, as a society, look at our attitudes towards uh, thinness. You know, Kathy, and, I was just... And how we look... I'm sorry. Wait, what? I, well, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was just thinking about this the other day. I was going into, I don't know, I was going to get a veggie grill or something. And I was walking in there and mm-hmm. I was thinking about all the women I know that are super, super thin and that have always been thin and, you know, perfect bodies and all of that, you know, and they don't seem to fluctuate. They don't seem to gain the 10 pounds up and down. They mm-hmm. seem to always have these perfect bodies. And most of them, I was reflecting, don't smile very much. There's so much deprivation really? that goes into keeping themselves at that weight. To stay that, that slim, they have to deprive themselves on a daily basis of things that most mm-hmm. people eat and enjoy. You like right, the- and, that's, and you know what? Eating, eating um, you know, you don't want to eat emotionally, but eating good food can be a source of joy. It's a, sor- it's a mm-hmm. source of if, if you get together with people to eat, of course. You, I mean, for years, I, I lied about not being able to go to lunch because mm. I was too embarrassed to say I don't eat lunch. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I'll just make up a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's eating is a very social thing, right? And and tasting something delicious is a, is a wonderful sensual thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It's, it's a big source of deprivation when you are trying, above everything else, trying to chase after the perfect body. Right, 
Right. Okay. So, so let's, so, yes, let's, let's, so highly revered in women. Yes. It's insane. Okay. So you've got double standard. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you've got all this stuff going on emotionally, but, Mm -hmm. and yet, so now you've got some recovery going on. You found the rooms now, but now your career is starting to happen. So how does that happen? So Mm -hmm. you have, you having success at stand up first, I assume. And then how, how do you start breaking into, to, to the screens? How does that happen? Breaking into the screen, did you, you know, say? You know, sc- screen work. So now you're getting your movies, yeah, you're getting TV. Right. How does that well, happen? You mean, you mean like, you mean like stand up on, on TV? No, well, well, I assume that's where it started. I mean, was your, what was your first TV spot? Don't tell me it was The Tonight Show. What was well, your first? Interestingly, I got my SAG, I wrote about this recently on Facebook. I got my SAG card mm-hmm. um, because I was cast in a pilot that um, Chuck Barris was doing. Aww. It was called Comedy Court, Comedy Courts or Comedy Courtroom. Mm-hmm. And there were these fake scenarios and the comedians played the, the lawyers. And um, I remember Kevin Pollack was taping the same day I was taping. Wow. And I was paid a thousand dollars and I signed a waiver but I was able to then purchase, um, you know, pay the dues right. for SAG because it was, I don't know what it was. It was mm-hmm. less than it was less than a thousand dollars, maybe, or maybe it was just about a thousand dollars. But that got me my SAG card. Fabulous, yeah. Okay, and so so that was the first thing. And then, how did you get your first? What was your first doing stand up on TV spot? How did that happen? Um, okay. What happened? Oh, my toe is killing me. Um, <laughs> I just, my, my, I have such bad feet. I have terrible feet. I'm going to get some antibiotic ointment that has a pain reliever in it. I'm going to put it on my toe. How old am I? I'm 61. <laughs> and I have bad feet. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, are you going to edit that part out? I don't think you should. I think it's really good. Um, so, I, um, I, my very first national TV show was in New York, and I was, I was, I think I was living in L.A. I'm pretty sure I was living in L.A., and, but I was back in New York, mm-hmm. and I did Dick Cavett's very last show on ABC. Wow. Wow. And it was Carol Leifer. And Richard Belzer, and they—they, they, I don't think they did a set. I think they were just talking mm-hmm. stand up. Yeah. And then I, I did my very first TV set. Wow. On wow. that show, it was very thrilling. I mean, it was, and it was, and they were airing it at like two thirty in the morning or something like that. You know. Right. They were just so done with the show at that point. Oh God. What a but thrill! But that was my though. very first. And then tell tell and, us about tell us about Johnny. Um, what how about your first Carson spot and wh- okay. what was well, that like? You know, I had, I think I, I mean, I, I know I'd been seen by Macaulay before, but I guess he didn't feel I was ready. Mm-hmm. And I had done the late, I had done the late show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Joan Rivers was gone by now. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, I did it with Arsenio. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
my agents set up a showcase, another showcase for a bunch of us in the agency at Igby's, which was my favorite place. Mm-hmm. And Macaulay um, was there, and I, did, I had a great set. And I was at, leaving the room, and he was right there, and he like reaches by, reaches by and, and like touches my arm, and he goes, "I want you to do, I want you to do the show." And my best friend was in town. My best friend, whom I met when I was a teacher in Philly, was um, in town with me, and it was like the most thrilling thing. I had when you remember those little those suction cup pads that people would leave would would have on their windshield so that you could write notes. God, not on your car. Do you remember those? Not re- you remember those, Louise? I do. Huh? Okay. And it was the stupidest thing. Like, of course, you when you're driving on the freeway and you think of something, what, what do you want to do? You want to be writing with a pen. <laughs> so, um, so, but she wrote on that board. She she wrote a little, made a little cartoon of me, and she wrote, um, "Kathy Ladman is doing the Tonight Show." And oh. I kept that until it faded away. Um, and I'm, I'm, I probably have it someplace in a storage box. Um, and um, it was very thrilling, very, very thrilling. Yeah. And I finally get a date to do it, and I get bumped. <gasps> it happens. Oh. So it was going to be with Johnny, and I get bumped. Oh. So I know it was, it was like, so depressing. Mm. It was all, you know, all ramped up. And... Then I uh, get a call, not too far, not too far along, mm-hmm. that I'm going to do the show. My manager calls and says you're going to do the show, it's, but it, it's with Jay. But the good news is you're going to get definitely going to do panel, ah. which is great. Uh-huh. So I do the show with Jay. I don't know, at least twice. Mm-hmm. It was at least twice. It could have been a little more. And then Macaulay wanted me to do the show with Johnny, and I said, "Well, I'd love to, but I really want to do panel." And we're having this conversation behind the curtain as the band is playing in the break. And wow. they're getting ready to page the curtain for me. And I said, hey, do you think we could talk about this another time? <laughs> so so I do indeed do the show with Johnny, and I do indeed do panel. Oh. And, and I did the show, I can't remember if it was five times with Jay and four times with Johnny, uh-huh. or four times with Jay and five times with Johnny, but... It was that many times. Wow. And and they were thrilling times, especially in that old studio. Mm-hmm. That was the best studio because you're you stand on the floor. Not exactly where Johnny stands, but mm-hmm. a little a little bit off of the off of the star where he says you stand on T mm-hmm. and um your camera's right in front of you and the whole audience is above you. So you know, it's so it was so easy to have a flowing set. It was just it was every comic said it was just the best studio to do it, mm. the best. Mm. And I'm sure Letterman was great too. And I never got to do Letterman, and I always wanted to do Letterman. Never got to do his show, <sighs> which is a big disappointment to me. Well, you have a lot of things that you did get to do. So um... oh my God, yes. But let's concentrate on what I haven't done. No. <laughs> So, okay, so, okay, so now, so we've been talking for a long time, so let, and we have barely touched your career. So, so now you, you're getting these late night spots. How do you break into yes. television? How does that happen for you? You mean acting? Yeah, you're, you're acting, well, right? What came you know, first, acting or writing? What came I first? Was, 
Well, acting came first. Okay. I would just go out on auditions, uh-huh. and I booked my first network pilot in uh, 1989. Uh-huh. It's actually, it was around the same time that I started doing this night show, I think. And um, and then I did, I don't know, I think I've probably done about maybe four pilots, four, four pilots, or three, four. Uh-huh. I can't remember. And, um, and then... Uh, then, my stand, then it was like in the middle of the 90s, things started to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had met Roseanne when I moved out to, uh, to L.A. in 1985. Mm-hmm. And she became a star, like, immediately. Right. I, was, I, I was in the audience uh-huh. for the first Tonight Show. Wow. And she became a star immediately. And she got her show very soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a letter to her asking, you know, about being a writer on her show. Or, and um, and then, kind of independently of that, I think Lois Bromfield and Carrie Snow and Cynthia Mort were on the show. I think they were the only women at the time on the show. Mm-hmm. And she was looking for more women, and I think they, they recommended me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois, Lois and Carrie knew me. And so I got my first writing job on television without even writing a sex script. Wow. You know. Wow. I know. How wow. lucky is that? Huh? Wow. That's amazing. And what was it like on, on Roseanne? Because there's a lot of stories. How, how was that experience for you? <laughs> well, I got into trouble. I got into trouble on that show because, uh, oh, I don't even want to go into it. Okay. It was just a long, convoluted, long, convoluted story. But... Mm-hmm. She got pissed off at me, and she had just picked up my option, mm-hmm. um, which was the, for the second half of the year, and I was mm-hmm. sort of banished from the set mm-hmm. for most of the second half. Mm-hmm. And um, then I didn't get asked back on the show, but I was asked to be on Caroline in the City, mm-hmm. which was a, a pilot that I had gone up for. Uh, I'd gone up for it to, to network mm-hmm. on it, and I didn't get it. But they asked me to be in the pilot, uh, to be a guest star in the pilot, to help them sell the pilot. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Then they asked me to, um, and then I did a, I did a guest star, did a couple of guest star spots on Carolyn in the City while I was on Roseanne. And um, then it was on the same lot, which was very convenient. And then I... Um, they asked me, the writers that I, that were running uh, Carolyn City asked me to be a writer on their show. And I said, well, I'd like to, but I want to, I, I, I want to be a recurring character. I want to recur on the show. And they said, well, we'll talk about it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And my agent um, and my manager made a deal. And, and then I wrote on Carolyn City, I think probably until February. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to do it anymore. And one of my friends who's a writer said, what are you, crazy on a career path? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in front of the camera. Right. You know? Right. And of course now, I think, wow, if I had stayed with that, mm-hmm. what would have been? But, you know, who knows? I mean, like, you, you never know what would have been. Absolutely. You're and, on your path. Um, and I was... Um, and so I, you know, I left there and I continued acting in stand-up. 
And and mm. you were on Politically Incorrect a bunch of times. You were on Dr. Katz mm-hmm. a bunch of times. You you. Oh, I helped sell that show. I helped uh, Larry Miller, Don Herrera, and I would be oh. three comics who were on the pilot. Wow. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, fabulous. Pretty exciting. Absolutely. So, so now you've done you've done all this TV TV work. You've done film work. How does TV work and film work? How does that compare? What do you prefer? Gosh, I like them both. I yeah. mean, um, you know, TV work is a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Except, I mean, it, unless you're doing like you know a film drama, a film drama, mm-hmm. those are those are pretty slow. But they're, I, I don't know if they're quite as slow as film because they still are on like an eight-day eight day per episode schedule. Right. Um, film, you know, you never know how long it's going to take. Right. But film is exciting because there were times when, I, like when I did My Fellow Americans, mm-hmm. part of it I filmed in L.A., but part of it I filmed in D.C., and that was really, really fun and mm-hmm. really thrilling. Mm-hmm. And working with James Garner and Jack Lemmon, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, that was, I mean, that was so exciting. What, what, um, would you, could you, if there was something that you had to pick that was like the highlight, because you've had a lot of them, is there something that you can point to that thrilled you yes, above all absolutely. else? Absolutely. Okay. I, have, I have no no hesitation. Okay, go. When I was a kid, you know, I told you I used to listen to Nichols and May Examine Doctors. Yeah. That album. And I, I memorized the whole album. And... Um, when I would go to bed at night, my mom would come in and I would say my prayers. Really, that's so weird to even think about doing that. <laughs> and I would do a selection off the album for her. <laughs> and, you know, she didn't know what the hell I was doing, but she listened politely. Uh-huh. And I knew that I, I know the whole album today. I mean, I could I could do it verbatim today. Yeah. Wow. It's so it's so in, it's so grooved into my brain. Right. So. Years later, I get this opportunity to audition for Mike Nichols' film, and I do, and then I get a callback. Go to the callback, didn't hear, mm-hmm. didn't hear probably for close to a month, nothing, heard nothing. So ah, I didn't get it. Um, then I get a call from my agent, says, you, 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 you booked the part. I booked it with Bill Dwyer. He and I auditioned together as a couple, and we booked it together. So she said, you got the part. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a Michael film. This is so exciting. So, and I had met him at the callback, uh-huh. um, which was very thrilling. And I had <clears throat> met him years prior at the Comedy Awards. Mm-hmm. And I brought my Nichols and May album for him to sign. Aww. So I brought it to the callback. Uh-huh. I showed it to him. I said, see, remember? Uh-huh. So... Um, <laughs> Um, he goes, yes, that's that, that, that my signature. <laughs> so, um, so um, I go, to, do, I go to, to the location for the movie, and I'm working with Annette Benning, and it's Gary Shanley's movie. What, what movie is it? What, what Planet Are You From? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it didn't turn out to be such a great movie, but it was mm-hmm. really fun to, to do, and it was... Annette Benning was wonderful, and mm. Shanling was on set that day, and it was great. Mm. And he actually I said something to him, and he said, "It was I said something to him that I had actually thought of saying in my act before, but I never did. Mm-hmm. But it was apropos to um, what we were talking about." And he mm-hmm. goes, "That's very funny." I said, "Oh, I said," and so I put it in my act immediately. <laughs> um, 
so um so anyway so so uh, Mike Smithles had broken his foot uh and he was standing like he was standing there with a a boot on his foot mm-hmm. and he was setting up a shot with Michael Bauhaus, who was the d t and I just I just randomly just happened to be standing next to him. I don't know why. I just was. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden, I just started to do <gasps> the first selection on the album. I, <laughs> I said gauze. Oh. And he said gauze. And I said gauze. And he said gauze. And I said more gauze. Because we don't have any more. And what happened was, I was I ended up doing his part. And he was doing Elaine oh. May's part because... Because I was, I started it. Right. So it was like, to me, that was the most unbelievable thing that wow. I brought that little girl who was eight years old all the way to, to the present uh, and doing what I had dreamed to do. Wow. That is such a cool story. I have goosebumps. That is such a cool story. I know. It would make the hair stand up on the back <laughs> of my neck when I would tell the story, and they certainly did that day, let me tell you. And my husband and my stepdaughter were visiting the steps, and I ran over to them, and I told them immediately. I said, my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean, it was just so surreal. That's like getting to sing... Um, uh, I want to hold your hand with the Beatles. <laughs> that's exactly. Like, that's exactly. crazy. That's crazy. Oh, Kathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have I have a last question for you, Kathy. Do you... Okay, um, because I am so starved. You have to yes, go eat. Go you have to go eat. You're celebrating this day, yes. and you have to go eat to celebrate. That's that's yes. the thing. Yes. Okay, Very so... Okay. Do you have... Yes, it is. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything that... I, I, I'm going to assume that it's not food, but is there anything that... No, it's really not. No, it's not food. So is there anything... Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything mm. that like you like, I can't believe I love this, but I um, love this? I, I, I know I have several guilty pleasures. I feel guilty about almost everything <laughs> I do. Yeah. I guess it's, um, it's watching TV during the day is a big guilty mm. pleasure, and I can only seem to do this when I'm sick. And I think that I used to... I used to make believe I hated school when I was a kid, and I used to mm-hmm. tell my mother I was sick every morning, <laughs> and she would never believe me. And finally, you know, I go to school one day, and they called. The, I had to end up going to the nurse that day, and I had 105 fever, Ooh, and wow. I was out for three weeks. Oh my god! And I could watch as much TV. And my mother tried to limit it. Ugh. <laughs> Please give me a break. <laughs> and I would watch. You know, I would watch. Um, Hazel and love that Bob and <laughs> yeah and, oh my God these sat Don the Donna Reed show and oh, all these yeah. great shows that were on mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. the Dick Van Dyke show mm-hmm. um, oh my God it was just so do you do you let yourself heavenly. do so, you do you let yourself so, do it now is that something will you let yourself I watch really t- don't I mean yeah. I have to be in such dire straits yeah I have to be sick and and I still, there's a part of me that still enjoys being sick. Yeah. For that reason, because I don't allow myself um, time off. I so relate to, to this, Kat. I, I, yeah. We were just talking at the top of the show. You know, I just had this little procedure, and so I've spent the last five yeah. days watching Netflix, like, around the clock. And I never oh, let myself, but I never let myself do that. And I always feel guilty. And this was the first time that I watched TV kind of without guilt. And it was fantastic. Yeah. 
It was wonderful. It's the best, isn't it? It's just wonderful. I love being sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I mean, my lesson in life, a big lesson for me is to learn how to not be so hard on myself. And you know what? I think I, I really am improving. I really am improving. Well, And um, uh, in, in tiny increments, and that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really all you can ask for mm-hmm. is to move forward in tiny increments. I like that, Kathy. And on that, I thank you so much for doing this. Go get something to eat. Go celebrate your 35 oh. years. I love you. Thanks for being with I us. I love you, too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Wheezy. Bye, I love Bye, you. Wheezy. <laughs> Bye, Wheezy. Bye, Lindsay. Bye. Bye, Kathy. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye, honey. So, Wheezy Lindsay. Yeah. Kathy Ladman. Oh, my God. Love her. She's funny. She's funny. And and she's also, you know, very in touch with, with her truth. I mean, she's really introspective. And, and I, she kind of did her own takeaway at the end where she said, you know, it's important about moving forward in little tiny increments. And, um, but that's not, I, I don't know that that's my takeaway with her. I think it's kind of gathering courage like she's this little creature and as she walks through life she just kind of gathers the courage she just picks it up along the way where she finds it and pulls it into herself and then and then she goes on to the next adventure and says i can i like that and like it's like she kind of had to work for it like she had realized she needed to get a different type of job and then she can do what she wants to do and i don't know okay yeah i i think for me, courage definitely go. I mean, wow, you know, to have to be that self-aware of all the fear that she had and how fear was pushing her around with her eating disorder and and her inability to, to know that she wanted to do stand up and to take all those years to get to do it. And then to. Yeah. So I think I think the little incre- increments, increments of courage really does sum up Kathy and the fact that she does just keep moving forward and accomplishing new things. And then also being in touch with the things that don't work and walking away from them. Mm-hmm. Or the um, more courage you that, that you pick up and gather along the way, then that you have a little bit of an accomplishment and then the more brave you are the next time. Like you like I'm sure she couldn't imagine herself walking through the curtains on the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And but you know, she had incremental successes along the way and and then to say, and I want panel with Johnny yeah. while she's standing back there. Yeah. I mean, because she ultimately has a shit ton of courage. Yes. I mean, to do something like that is balls. You know, to stand up to Roseanne, balls. You know, she, for all of her insecurity and all of the things that kept her down, there's a lot of strength there. She's very self-aware. Very self-aware. Very self-aware. And I like that incre- increments of courage and moving forward. I like that, and I love Kathy, and I love you guys, and thanks so much for, for joining me tonight, and uh, and thank you guys out there for listening. Every Tuesday, a new show, but we're here whenever you are, and uh, come back next week for The binge. Road Taken. Binge, binge the road, binge, binge, binge us, binge The Road Taken. Good night. The Road Taken is a radio-free podcast here whenever you are. A new show every Tuesday. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the corner of Hollywood and Vine where I'll be using a bullhorn. Well, you can also get links to all this and more at VickiAbelson.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N.
Please follow, subscribe, review, lather, rinse, repeat. Till next Tuesday. And mine and binge our archive while you're at it. It's rich with information, inspiration, and fun, damn it. Thanks for listening. And if you like to watch, keep your eyes peeled for our next Facebook Live. Bye.